Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Uh, I want to talk about faith that obeys. Faith that obeys. We're going to talk about the work of faith. Amen. Talk about the work of faith. Um, today, we... we typically think of faith in the sense culture has adopted this idea. Christianity today has adopted this uh, idea that faith gets me things that I want. But I want to show you uh, through the next few weeks that faith actually gets you what you need. Faith is not just something that we use to grab things that we really desire, that we really want, a new car, a new house, a new job, a new spouse, uh, a, a new this and a new, yes, <laughs> look straight ahead, don't be looking around, right at me, eyes on me right here, <laughs> hallelujah, we use our faith for all kinds of good stuff, and we can, God wants you to have the desires of your heart, but I want to shift from faith being a suggestion to faith being a command. And in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 in the Amplified, it reads it this way. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. Everyone say more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Say, I live by faith. You understand that you are alive because of the faith that you can operate in. And you are only alive to the level of faith that you operate in. A lot of us have uh, accepted the level of faith that we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I'm a fallen, sinful man, fallen, sinful nature. Jesus died on the cross to redeem me and bring me into his kingdom. And that's as far as our faith has gotten us. The faith to be born again. The faith to enter the kingdom. The faith to take that first initial step, which is necessary. And you are saved not by your works, right? The word of God tells us you are saved by faith through grace. Amen. We are saved by faith through grace. So faith obviously is a necessary component of the kingdom of God just for the mere uh, entrance or getting into entering the kingdom of God. But everyone say more faith. Say it, come on, say it strong. Say more faith. Say it like you want more faith. More faith. I want more faith. We have to stop being satisfied or settling for a level of entrance faith, entry-level faith. There's entry-level faith, and then there's a growing faith, an increasing of faith, an adding to of our faith. You've heard me explain it this way before, that faith uh, is, is a, is works a lot in our lives. Like our muscles work. Everybody in this room has muscles. 
period. Or you would be a, uh, you know, skeletal creature that could not move and operate. You just, you know, there, there would be no, you, we know that the muscles create the movement. The muscles allow us to move our physical being and do certain uh, movements. But everybody in this room that has muscles has developed your muscles to a greater or lesser degree. Everybody in this room, by use, by exercise, by giving attention to, by having value for, um, and maybe there are certain muscle groups that we have addressed, and so we're strong in some areas, right? But maybe there are some muscle groups that we haven't as dressed, uh, addressed as favorably or as honorably. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, don't skip leg day. Yeah, don't skip leg day. No. Right, guys? When I skip leg day every day. That's my leg day every day row right here. Right? So maybe I've addressed my level of faith in the area of finances, but maybe I haven't as much addressed my faith in the area and strengthened my faith in the area of healing. So muscles can grow, muscles can develop, and everybody in this room has muscles developed to greater and lesser degree. I'll go spiritual. Everybody in this room has your faith developed in certain areas to greater or lesser degrees. Is that making sense? The just shall live by faith. That tells me this, that if I'm going to walk the kingdom life, I'm going to have to learn this scope of faith, this element of faith, this, this realm of faith, and not just the faith to obtain things, not just the faith to get things. You could put it this way, God needs you to have faith. You're already thinking of a verse in Hebrews chapter 11, right? Verse 6, for without faith, what? It's impossible. Everyone say impossible. What does that mean? Not possible. It is impossible. There's no gray area. Those are the kind of verses I like. It's black and white. It is impossible to please God without what? The faith we're talking about. It's impossible to please God. God is motivated by one thing, our faith. Uh, God is not motivated by your emotions. He's not motivated by your wailing and your crying and your sobbing and your spitting. We may have those types of moments, but God is on the throne saying, when you get in faith, I'll move. Something tragic happening in your life? Man, the Bible says, when, when one rejoices, we all rejoice. When one suffers, I, I, I will. I will cry with you. I've done that for very many people in this church. I've cried with you. I've wept with you. I've, I've grieved with you. Uh, I, I've, I've been heartache at heartache with you. I remember one service, man, it, it probably, um, it was early on. Um, and, and I just felt an unction at the end of the service. This is probably 2014, 2015, maybe. Uh, I just felt an unction at the end of service to just pray for you know, just by the spirit. I didn't know of situations. I didn't know of people. The church obviously was a lot smaller at that time. But I just felt this unction come up and said, if that, if that's you, come down. There's something in your life that 
you, there's a breakthrough that needs to happen, whatever. And I remember I got to this one individual, and it was as if whatever their heartache was became mine. And I just started crying, weeping uncontrollably in front of everybody. And I didn't even know why. I was just praying for this man. I just had my arms around him right here at the front of the, at the old building, but at the front of the stage in front of everybody. And I just could not, there was nothing I could do to stop. It was whatever was on him came on me. That's God. That let him know you're not going through this alone. And I'm not just as your pastor, I'm with you, but God is with you. The great shepherd is with you. I'm just the under shepherd. The great shepherd is guiding you through this thing. And, and, and even though we were weeping, it was a weeping of comfort. It was a weeping of knowing we're going to get to the other side of this thing. It wasn't a weeping of just emotion and I'm so sorry that happened to you. And again, I didn't even know the scenario I was crying about. You'll have those moments, but we understand that it's faith that moves God. It's faith that gets you over in life. It's faith that accomplishes the word in our life. And what is faith? I like to put it this way. Faith is simply living like God's word is true. Faith is simply living like God's word is true. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now, guess what? You believe it or not, it's settled. But is it settled in your heart? Is it settled in your life? Are you going to see God's promises come to pass in your life, in your situation? Because we know, even through the word of God, there are countless individuals that had promises, but yet for their failure to partner with heaven and partner with the Father and partner with the King in faith, did not achieve those promises, did not see those promises come to pass, even though God had given the word. So we recognize it's very important, this element of faith. Uh, culture wants to tell us faith is optional or that you only need this certain amount of faith. And if you are a real faith giant, then you grow to this level. But it's okay to camp out and live here. And we need to eradicate that kind of thinking because that's exactly how the devil wants you to think. I'm talking about radical faith, crazy faith. Faith that upends things, faith that brings revival, faith that changes not just you, but the generations beyond you, faith that changes your employees and the employers, faith that causes you to go into spheres of influences and change everything around you. If your faith is only changing you, it's not big enough. Faith ought, your faith ought to change and touch everything you come into contact with. Faith is needed to change realms, regions, and environments. Change is needed. Transformation is needed everywhere you walk. Amen. But we've got to have a level of faith where we're making contact. I'm not just going down a grocery aisle. I'm making contact with the spirit realm saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Who would you have me speak to? What would you have me say? Not in a supernatural uh, head in the clouds becoming so spiritually minded, you're no earthly good. But understanding that my contact with this realm demands my faith that pulls on that realm. If I'm going to bring heaven to earth, I've got to have, I'm the go-between. I'm the liaison. I'm an ambassador for Christ sending this realm here. 
Guys, it should never happen to any of us that someone in our presence mentions that they're hurting, sick, or in pain, and we're not stopped and moved to do something about it. And not sympathize with them. Pastor Paul told you a story just last weekend. We were at a restaurant here in town. And, and, and the young girl, and the girl was not our server. She was just bringing the food. You know how sometimes somebody else will bring the food, but it's not your server. So she was just bringing our food. If it was our server, we would have had, we would have bugged her until she let us. She would have let us pray for her just so we would stop asking. But this was, she was just dropping off food. And she dropped off half of our meals. And uh, I don't even, I think Pastor Paul, somebody said something like, how are you doing today? Or just something simple like that. And she just blurts out, my hand is hurting. Or my hand is killing me. Our confessions are really weird, aren't they? Is it killing you? Is is that really what you want to (laughs) say? My back is killing me. I don't want to confess anything is killing me. Okay, I'm not trying to get super spiritual on you. I'm just... Sometimes we say things that we're not thinking. It's like, I just confessed, I just announced that something's killing me. Hmm. So she said something to that effect. And I remember Pastor Paul and I, we locked eyes and we just, our eyes got big because she just dropped it. How are you doing today? Uh, My hand is killing me. And just, it was almost as if she knew this is a table of a bunch of pastors and they're going to try to pray for me. I better get out of here as fast as possible. Like she darted, she took off. So we locked eyes, Pastor Paul and I, we're like, what did she just say? Because we're listening differently. We're listening differently. So we both knew what was gonna happen. We only had half of our meals. She's got two more meals to bring out. She's coming back around. And sure enough, Pastor Paul, uh, he, he said something to the effect of, can we pray for you? Or, or, or we're praying for your hand right now, something to that. And she, she just said, thank you and took off. If you only knew, if you only knew, you know what it said about Jesus, uh, when the, the man was lowered through the roof, everybody needs four crazy friends. Everybody needs four crazy friends. that will take you to the roof and drop you down. If your faith won't get you there, hook up with someone that can Amen. They drop them down. And you remember that there's a whole issue with the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees thinking to themselves in their hearts, who does this man think he is that he can heal, right? And then, and, and that, But you know what it said prior to that? It said the presence of the Lord was there to heal. The presence of the Lord was available. Imagine being in the presence of the Lord and in the presence where healings can take place and you're thinking in yourself, who does this man think he is? If you only knew the power, if that young girl only knew, your hand doesn't have to kill you anymore. You don't have to live subjected to that pain anymore. If you only knew who's sitting here and not pastors, we're sitting there as five-fold ministers. We're sitting there as, as eating food, naturally. It's almost like a Jesus at the well kind of moment. I'm here to get a meal. I'm here to get a, a, a need met naturally, but I can still stay in tune with the Spirit and say, how would you have me contact this? 
How would you have me make influence? It's that simple. Well, it's this element of faith that gets us to that place. It's this element of faith that causes us to move on the behalf of someone else and that we're no longer just passing in conversation. My allergies are just really messed up today. That that person doesn't even realize you've just triggered something inside of me. And we can deal with this. I'll hook up and agree with you right now. I set my faith in agreement with yours. And sometimes I can't even set my faith in agreement. I just have to do it all for them. And that's okay. I love it when someone says, will you agree with me? Absolutely I will. Because where two or more touch and agree, I've got a word on that. And I've got faith in the word because I live like this word is true. I live like God meant what he said. (laughs) Hello. So, you know, I heard someone say one time, worry is temporary atheism. If faith is living like God, God's word is true, then worry and doubt and unbelief is living like it ain't. Is there a God? Can he move on my behalf? Is his word true? Causes a lot of questions. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, now faith is. A lot of us are saying, is faith now? We're messing up the sentence structure, and we're wondering why we're not seeing the same results. Now he says, the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 and uh, verse 17, just kind of laying a foundation here, tells us how this faith comes now. Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 17, reading out of the New American, it says this way. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Any time that I recognize in my life, personally, that I'm waning in faith, the first place I go is to my hearing. The first place I address is my hearing. The first place that I'm engaging and encountering is what am I listening to? Now, I'm going to tell you this. Faith comes from Hearing, there's a comma there, but you could put a period. We've talked about this before. I'm just kind of laying a foundation, a little bit of remembrance, a little bit of of recall here. You could put a period there because whatever you're listening to determines where you're building your faith. Whatever I'm giving ear to, whatever I'm uh, uh, continually putting in front of me is where I'm building my faith, building my trust. So. If I'm continually putting a negative report in front of me, guess what? Guess where my faith is going to be? Because wherever you feed or whatever you feed is what's going to grow and get stronger. We just talked about faith needing to be, uh, uh, we need to grow in faith, mature in faith, develop in faith. Everybody in here has got faith built to lesser or greater degrees. How do I build it? What are you listening to? Just giving you some practical steps. What am I listening to? What am I hearing? If I'm not making enough deposits of the word, guess what? I can't make withdrawals. You know, I had, I've had so many people ask about what we did in 2020 when 
when, when the pandemic hit and the shutdowns hit and why our people were, were so adamant. Because honestly, guys, I, I can only say how our church responded because of how you responded. It wasn't because of how I responded. I could have opened the doors wide open, and if none of y'all were faith-filled enough to come in here and believe that we can gather without killing each other, then it doesn't matter what I believe. You, I, I, I'm getting to brag on you as a church body. Those of you that were here at that time, we've, we've, we've grown leaps and bounds since then. But, when, but your response to that whole situation is, is, is a result of what was planted. That was the harvest. That wasn't the seed going in. That was the fruit coming out. So if you really want to know how we got there, you'd have to see us in 2015 in 2016, in 2017, in 2018, in 2019. You'd have to watch us in the years leading up to that. That's why we're saying now, if we're on the precipice of something, how am I going to make withdrawals in the new revival that's coming if I'm not making the right deposits right now? How are we going to believe that the latter is greater than the former if I'm not making the deposits in the former to see the yielded harvest in the latter. Hello. Preparation is extremely important. Preparation, you don't prepare in the midst of the storm. It's too late to build the boat when the waves and the winds are crashing. No, you gotta, you, you gotta endure some years of preparation, Noah. But in a hundred years, building a boat for rain when nobody's ever heard of or seen rain. But that's what preparation does. Preparation makes you look stupid until the event comes that demands the preparation. So you want to know how we responded then? You want to know why we responded that way, why we did this, why we did that? Well, you'd have to go back. I got to pull the curtain back. You want to know why they won the Super Bowl? You got to go back to spring training or, 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 or training camp. You got to go back to the off season. Hello? What am I doing? I'm building my faith, growing my faith, developing my faith. I'm not training my faith in the midst of crisis. I'm producing my faith in the midst of crisis because I trained my faith in the midst of comfort. Did y'all catch that? No, we take years of comfort, seasons of comfort, and we just sit back. Oh, just enjoy the benefits. Just enjoy all that God is doing. Look at this. Oh, man, isn't it just, just, I mean, everybody's just loving coming to church. Just so, just to, what are you going to do in crisis if we haven't been laying the right foundations and doing the right preparation during the comfort? Crisis demands what comfort trains. And man, crisis demands. It's a demand. It pulls. It draws. And when it comes pulling, and when it comes demanding, when it comes calling, when it comes tugging, I want to be ready to respond. I don't want to be found falling short. And you know, Jesus is coming back, and it says, will the Son of Man find faith? <laughs> not moves of the Spirit. Not services that last 12 hours. Not revivals that go on for days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months. Will I find faith 
in the earth. Now, your faith can produce those things. But we got to recognize those things are coming. Those things are the next wave of the presence of God, the next move of God, the next revival, whatever. It's going to be because God's people get filled with faith, develop and mature their faith, increase their faith, grow their faith, so that God can come and invade and say, now I can move in the hearts of my people and in the land of my people because I've got some faith-filled people ready to respond differently than everybody else is responding. That's what brings revival. Revival is just normal to God. God doesn't switch the thing on and off. God doesn't say, I'll come down and meet with my people. I'll be silent and quiet. Or I'll come back down, hang out. I mean, he's everywhere. But how much contact are you making with this presence? How much contact are you making with this glory? How much contact are, are you pulling and drawing on what you're expecting God to do in these last days? Well, it's going to take a level of faith that maybe we have yet to see. You think of all the great things in the word of God, all the, the great encounters, all the great assignments, all the great men and women of God that were raised up. At the end of the day, you can break it down to one thing. It was their faith that got them over. It was Noah's faith. That's why we have a chapter in Hebrews called the Hall of Faith. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Moses delivered the people from the hand of the Egyptians. By faith, Joshua and Caleb took them into the promised land. By faith, David slayed Goliath. By faith, Deborah. By faith, Gideon. By faith, Samson. By faith. Why? Because when you're hiding out in the bottom of a wine press, hoping that the Midianites don't find you and take all your stuff like they've taken everybody else's, and then a angel of the Lord or the Lord himself shows up and says, mighty man of valor. Yeah, I mean, that's going to take some faith. That, that's not like, you're right. I am a mighty man of valor. What am I doing down here? No. There's, many times God speaks and then we start taking inventory of our surroundings to try to agree with what he said. Well, that's not faith. Then your faith, then your faith isn't in God's word, it's in someone else's word to line up and agree with God's word. A lot of people are looking for prophetic words because they don't want to, they, they can't have faith in God's word directly. I need some man to show up in the earth and confirm it to me. Now, God will confirm it to you, but at the end of the day, you don't believe it because some man said it. Because pastor so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so blowing through town gave me this word, and I know God, the Holy Spirit's been tugging on my heart, but now I really know. No, you got to know God's word is true because God said it. And that man, that woman is confirming it in your heart, setting it in your heart. But they're not changing your mind. No, they're not changing your mind. Evangelist so-and-so is like, well, I didn't believe it when God told me, but since you said it, he must be calling me. Doesn't work like that. Because now you've got your faith in the man, in, in the word of a man instead of God. And see, ultimately, when I put my faith in the word of God, I'm actually putting my faith in the God of the word. 
when I put my faith in the word of God, I'm actually putting my faith in the God of the word. What's that mean? God and his word are inseparable. They're one. So when I trust in God's word, I trust in God, period. Y'all see that? So we want to see these moves and we want to see these encounters and we want to see the, the church rise to what we know the church can do in these last days. This is what's, what it's going to take. It's going to take an increasing, strengthening, growing, developing, and maturing in a faith that cannot be moved, that cannot be shaken. Because there is no move of God that comes to this earth without challenges and conflict coming against it, without opposition arising against it. I'll remind you in the book of Acts, the greatest advancement of the church, the planting of the church, the church being born and the church being spread and the church growing was in the midst of the greatest conflict the church has ever seen. Heads were being chopped off. Men and women were being thrown in prison. Crucifixions happening on a daily basis. Blood running through the streets. Temples being burned. Any scrolls, any Bibles that could be found were being eliminated. And yet the church grew. The church thrived. I think maybe the church responds better in crisis than it does in comfort. I think the church as a whole has done better in the midst of challenge and opposition than it has in always getting its way. I'm not a doom and gloom preacher. I'm not trying to tell you, oh, you know, here's got to get ready for, but I, I just know this, what's about to take place, there's an enemy that doesn't want it to take place. And he will do everything he can and is doing everything he can to make sure it is brought to a halt, that it is stopped, that it is thwarted. But no weapon formed against the church shall prosper, can prosper, will prosper. Just a statement like that. Easy to preach it from a pulpit with a microphone to an audience that's yes and amen. But are we going to believe no weapon formed against us shall prosper? when the next challenge comes to shut down the move of God, to shut down the work of God. Okay, so this is why we've got to strengthen ourselves. How am I going to strengthen myself? By hearing. By hearing. This is why coming together as a body is so important. Coming into these environments. But this is just the start. This cannot be the totality of the hearing of the word of God, the hearing by the word of Christ. This is a great start, but it's not a great finish. I can get you going. I can get you going in a certain direction. I can get you cheered up, uh, uh, championed up. I, I come alongside to cheerlead you and to champion you and to rally you. Let's answer the call. Let's answer the cry to teach you, to edify you, to build you up, to strengthen you. But when we go out of here, if the next time you're hearing the word is the next time I'm standing up here with a microphone in my hand, either on a Wednesday night or most likely on a Sunday or even two Sundays past that, that's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. 
Not when you have a personal word, a personal Bible. You've got a book that's written directly to you. And I'm, I'm unveiling it and I'm unfolding it to you. And by the Holy Spirit bringing illumination and revelation to you. So this isn't just three points, uh, a couple songs, take up an offering and go home. This is literally the empowerment of the body of Christ and the training of the church. What you do with it when you leave is so important. Why? Because that is what determines the building and developing of my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's not faith in what you have heard. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard once at a time, one day. No, faith comes by hearing. And the connotation of this hearing is this, hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You know what the devil loves is when you get tired of hearing. He loves it. Oh man, he just, he throws the biggest party. When we, oh, that verse again, he's like, yes, got them. They're mine now. Hebrews chapter five, the writer deals with that. It says, because your hearing has grown dull. You can't tolerate to hear again. The same basic principles. The oracles of God. The elementary truths, he calls them. When I have an attitude that says, really? I am more in the enemy's territory than I am in God's. Because if he can affect my hearing, he affects my faith. If he affects my faith, he affects my outcome. Ultimately, his outcome. He wins in the environment where we can no longer hear. And then there are those that love to hear. They just have to hear something new. Paul warns Timothy of this, and he says, beware of those that have itching ears. Bible says, always desiring to learn, but never learning, never growing wiser. Why? Because I'll listen as long as it's something I haven't heard before. I'll listen as long as it's something that I prefer, said the way I like to say it, spoken the way I like to hear it. Oh, I can relate to that person. But are they preaching you the Bible or are they preaching you experience? Because one will get you over. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing of other people's experiences. Well, this is what I had to do in this situation. Does it line up with the word? Does it line up with the scripture? Can you even confirm that it lines up with the scripture? Yeah. So it's not just hearing. It's hearing the word. It's keeping myself open to it with an excitement and a passion. I should receive God's revelation with the same passion that I receive. I should... I need to receive God's revelation and God's reminders with the same level of passion.
Sometimes we need to be put in remembrance of. Sometimes we need to be reminded of. Sometimes we need to be shown again. Sometimes we need to be told again. And you know this as well as I do. The word is living. The word is active, right? So guess what? Maybe God could show you something in that verse that you got, ah, again. Maybe he could show you something you've never seen before because it's alive being revealed to you by a living Holy Spirit (laughs) that knows everything about God for who knows the mind of the man, but the spirit of the man, who knows the mind of God, but the spirit of God. Maybe the Holy Spirit's like, let's take another turn around this thing. Let me show you something you haven't seen this whole time. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. I'm gonna give you the same verse and I'm gonna reveal to you a new revelation you've never seen before. Let me change your life right now with Mark 11, 23 and 24. Oh, go there again. I've heard that for so long. I know that was Kenneth Hagin's verse. It's got him off the deck. Oh, it's the same one. If you speak to the mountain, oh, really again? Maybe. Maybe he's got something he wants to show you you haven't seen yet. Oh, the enemy loves when you have an attitude. Love, the enemy loves when we're closed off. I'm going to go across town and listen to this guy. He just—he seems to have real good revelation, real, real good. They're, you know, I just really—they're they, real hip, they're real cool, they're real down. You know, they—they they, they speak my language, they get on my level. I can relate. Oh, I've heard that so many times. Oh, I just feel like he could just relate. Relate to what? <laughs> oh, I don't want to relate to a man that should be dead. I want to relate to the man on the inside that ought to be brought to life. Kill the dead man. Die to the flesh. Come alive to Christ from the inside out. Amen? This helping anybody today? Go with me to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to get in faith. We're going to get in faith so well that we're going to obey and respond to the word of God when he speaks when he sends, when he declares, when he commands. There's too much of of considering God's commands as God's suggestions today. There's too much thinking, well, you know, if I don't, right? There's the, the perfect will, and then there's the pleasing will, and there's the passable will, and, and we think, well, you know, I, I, if I don't, if I don't fully please him, if it's not fully perfect, at least I'll get the one that just gets me across the line. I, do you? Let me just ask you: If you were a coach, if you were an employer, um, if, if you were in any of those environments, and someone had that kind of uh, attitude on your team or in your workplace, how long would they be on your team, Coach Steven? Uh, you know, I, I'm okay if we win a couple this year. I, I'm okay if I just get a little bit of playing time, Coach. I, you know, it, I, I, I'm not a sore loser. Huh? Come on. I'm looking for the competitive people. I'm looking for the ones like, no, you going down? Monopoly? Bring it on. I'm the banker. <laughs> Park Place and Boardwalk—they are mine. I'm not giving them up for nothing. Don't try to trade me. 
I don't want the green ones. I don't want the blue ones. I don't care how many railroad stations you got. I don't care if you got to get out of jail free card. You ain't taking my stuff. I'm taking you. That's the kind of tenacity and drive. Come on, I thought we were the bulldogs, right? Where's the bulldogs at? Y'all got quiet on that. That's Y'all need another championship, apparently. Yeah, one wasn't good enough. Alabama's still out there lurking. Still got that number two spot, still coming up, creeping up on your backside there. Y'all still, uh, I don't know, I don't know, man. Man, I'm looking for some people with some drive. We are not going to be defeated. I will not quit. You're not taking me out. No weapon form. I am more than a con. I mean, you got to have some tenacity inside of you. I've already told you, we're not just looking for people to go to church with. We're looking for people to go to battle with, go to war with. I want to know if I, I can lock arms with you, and we're going in this thing, burning the ships. We're going in, taking everything we can. Where's no looking back? Come on, that's the kingdom of God, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And a kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. we got to respond in like manner. Don't talk to me about what the Democrats are doing. Don't talk to me about what they're trying to overturn and overdo. Don't talk to me about how sin is running rampant. Respond back with the fierce tenacity that says, you will not take my kids. You will not be killing children before they even come into this planet. You will not bring that into my schools. Come on, you got to get a drive about this stuff. It ain't going to work to just sit around the office and talk about it. It's not going to work to come to church and praise and worship, but complain and condemn. You kind of have to get some tenacity on the inside that says, we are not going to stand for this any longer. We're going to love people. We're going to respond in the love of God. We're going to vote the ones out that don't need to be there and vote the ones in that do need to be there. Come on. It's talking about action because there's a work of faith. There's a belief of faith, but then there's a work of faith. And if we don't have a work of faith, then we don't yet have a belief of faith that motivates us to the work of faith. I'm talking about a conviction so strong that you have to act upon it. A conviction so strong on the inside that says, I don't have but, I have no choice but to respond to this. And in Numbers chapter 13, we've gone here a lot. I understand that. That's why I gave the little precursor if you throw an attitude on the inside. He's going to Numbers 13 again? I can quote it by heart. Joshua and Caleb, we are but grasshoppers. Well, let's look at it and see if God shows us something today. Amen? We've got the Israelites, been set free, delivered from Egypt, from bondage. They've lived their whole lives in bondage. It's all they've ever known. They have no understanding of freedom. They have no understanding of doing what you want. They have no understanding of fully being able to live to the the values of and the commands of God because they've been under subjection to the Egyptian rule and the Egyptian, uh, you know, stronghold, bondage in their life. So they come out. They're in the wilderness. They cross a, across the Red Sea. Waters are parted miraculously. We, we know these things. 
miracles, signs, and wonders happening in their midst. And now Numbers chapter 13, God speaks to Moses and says, I want you to get 12 spies, one from every tribe, gather them up, send them into the promised land. Bring back a report. Now I told you, they weren't to go into the promised land to get a report. They were going into the promised land with a report. Remember this. When God sends you into conflict, it's for your good. And it's for the enemy's terror. Jesus comes up out of the water, baptized, Holy Spirit comes upon him. Where's the first place he went? Huh? And the Holy Spirit sent him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He thought he'd been sent to a church. He thought he'd been sent to the synagogue. He thought he'd been sent to the, the, the leprosy camps. He thought he'd been sent to the dead man's house. No. Filled with the Spirit, baptized, comes up out of the water. All right, assignment number one. I need you to go be tempted by the devil. Now, there's two ways to look at that. And how you look at that determines where your faith is at. You got to get this now. These 12 spies, they can go in thinking, all right, we're going to go in and find out if this is something we can conquer and overcome. Jesus can go into the wilderness and say, all right, all right, Dad, I'll give it my best shot. Or you can go in knowing (laughs) we both going in, only one of us coming out. Y'all with me? A doggedness, a tenacity that says, you send me in there, we're going to rip them up. We're going to shred them up. I dare you to come and touch my life. I dare you to come and touch my family. Come on, we need to get a little bit. I dare you to come and try to bring that into my schools. I dare you to try to bring that into my government. I try I touch Lowndes County, see what happens. So he's sending you into conflict. But it's not to test you, and it's not to, to, to weaken you, and it's not to, let's see if they really, it's to destroy what's on the other side. Jesus went in knowing, ain't taking me out. First question that comes up, if you are the son of God. Well, what do you mean if? Huh? No, and what do you do? Give him the word. Give him the word. Why? Because he had the faith built up by what? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the? Oh, well, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. He had to, he, he just already knew it. No, no, no. He learned it like anybody else. He's 100% man and 100% God. He had, to, he had to discover this just like you and I have to discover it. He had to come to this knowledge just like you and I have to come to this knowledge. And he had such a conviction on the inside. He says, I will obey. Well, we know these Israelites, they go in. Verse 26, they come back with the report. Went back to Moses, Aaron, the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. See, it's just crazy to me. They can even, you can even have physical, visual evidence 
and still doubt. You think, God, just show me. God, just tell me. God, send someone along my path. It won't work. If you don't have the conviction on the inside, it won't work. No, you got to have a conviction on the inside, regardless of what I see. See, if your faith is built by what it sees, then doubt can creep in by what it doesn't see. Faith is not lended to, well, if it all aligns, if it's all there, if it's just like he said it is. No. Faith believes in the face of conflict. Faith believes in the face of contradiction. Faith believes when your body is screaming at you. Faith believes when the account's in the red. Faith believes when it looks like all hell's breaking loose. Faith believes. Faith doesn't need grapes so large that it had to be carried on a pole between two men. Faith doesn't need evidence. Faith is the evidence. Now then, your faith is the evidence of things not seen. My faith is the proof. The fact that I believe in it is the proof that his word exists and is true. Oh, this is good stuff. I'm already saying things I've never said before. I'm already going places we've never been before on verses that we've gone to repeatedly. Faith is the evidence. Faith never says, well, bring all the evidence and then we'll come to a conclusion. Faith says, I am the evidence. Now, here's your conclusion. So they bring back the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong. The cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of the Negev. The the, uh, other areas, other people are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. Faith declares, faith doesn't ask questions. Faith is never interested in a negotiation. Well, hold on, guys. Hold on, I I see your perspective. But but, but, but let me just weigh in here a little bit. (laughs) Right? Isn't that right? Is that right? Y'all, get get there, guys. I I have the microphone, and I can keep you here. (laughs) You don't know the power I wield up here. It's not negotiating. He quiets the people. Faith isn't listening to voices of doubt. You cannot hang around doubt and live a life of faith. You cannot do it. You cannot hang around doubt and live by faith. But you know how many people walk that line? You know how many people are okay, satisfied? Well, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Jesus did the same thing, guys. If you need two verses to confirm this, showed up at, Jairus' house with the dead girl on the inside and everyone what? Weeping and moaning and crying and wailing and screaming and doing the emotional mess they do. And it's an emotional time. I get it. But when, when you need results, 
said he put him out the house. I got two amens in here right now because y'all are still think y'all are thinking about all the voices of doubt you've let hang around and wonder why your faith isn't strengthened, your faith isn't strong, your faith isn't growing, your faith isn't multiplying, your faith isn't developing. I just I don't know, Pastor. Brian, it just seems like a lot to get the get rid of it. Clear the house. Take inventory and wipe them out. I, you don't have to be rude. There's a Christian King James way to do it. And the Holy Spirit will show you the words to say, because I don't know the words to say. I'm not that nice. I, I just I just say, you know what, you know, we, we I just really gotta tighten up right now. I, I can't share you, I can't share with you what's going on. Because I know who can handle it and who can't. And that's okay. There's nothing about Caleb in this verse that says, now guys, listen, listen, guys. He's, I know for certain we go up right now. And he says, let's go up now. Don't think about it. Don't think, do it. Come on, just do it right now. Just go right now. Let's go. Come on, everybody. Let's go. Come on, let's go. Come on, right now. Because if you sit and think about it, you'll talk yourself out of what God's talking you into. You'll find the evidence to support your conclusion. Everybody can justify complaining. Everybody can justify doubt and unbelief. Oh, we've got loads of evidence. That's not the problem. I don't, I don't disagree there's giants in the land. I don't disagree it's a vast territory. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying none of those things are reasons why we can't go and inhabit it. Doubters love to accumulate evidence. To say, let me tell you all the reasons why this can't be successful, why we can't take this territory, why we can't go into this new season, why we can't see this accomplished. And you know what? In the natural, they're right. That cancer's never been healed before. In the natural, they're right. Nobody's ever come back from being in a deficit that large. You know what? They're right. That that marriage in the natural, it, it, it can't be saved. It can't be salvaged. You know what? They're right in the natural. But you have God's word that allows you to stand in the face of the natural. Faith doesn't deny it, but it will ignore it. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just telling you you're not all right. I've got a word that even if he dies, he will live. What a weird statement to say about his best friend, Lazarus, whom he loved very much. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Well, I'm just building your case right now. You need some evidence. I'm just building your case. I'm giving you a lot of scripture that's not on slides and it's not back there and it's not even in my notes, but I'm building a case, letting you know that God is up to something something, and he doesn't need everything to agree. Well, as long as this and this and this and this happens, now, I'm talking about a faith that believes in spite of all that. I hear you, doctor, but I've got a word. Got to get a word, man. He quiets the people. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him responded. What are you letting respond? Huh? 
See, if they hang around, then guess what? You're giving them an open door to respond. Faith comes by. I can keep going to that verse. And the more that you hear, the more that you're building faith. But what are you building faith in? What are you building faith on? Well, you keep letting voices of doubt respond. Guess what? You're hearing it. I mean, I've walked with people through some serious challenges in life. Serious. Death and life challenges. And the ones that become victorious are the ones that le- learn how to quiet, shut down, and shut out. Because if you get off the phone with me, doing my best to remind you of the word of God, but you don't have a God's medicine book in your hand or an in him book in your hand or seven reasons why God still heals today book in your hand and you start you get off my phone call and you get on another phone call with someone well if it's the Lord's will or you start listening to what the doctor said or you're looking at a situation that's exactly everything that I said it's not you're going to find yourself back in the same situation before I gave you the call and I can't save you I'm not your savior Jesus is. I can't do it. It's the word of God that you build faith in, and then you say, this word is greater than any other word. Verse 32 says, so they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. Those are giants. To ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers. It's amazing that if you you go down this path of doubt and unbelief, it won't be long before you start seeing yourself through your enemy's eyes. You'll no longer see yourself the way God sees you. You see yourself the way your enemy sees you. We're we're, we're, we're just grasshoppers. It's just so interesting to me that you go over in the book of Joshua, chapter 6, I believe it is, and you actually find out that these inhabitants that they were so fearful of were more afraid of them. That's why Jericho was so fortified. You think they had a, 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 a contest to see who could build the most fortified walls? They were built that way for a reason. They could have chariot races on the top of these walls. You're talking walls wider than this sanctuary. Just a wall keeping the enemy out, keeping them protected and safe in. Why? Because of these Israelites. Yeah, the slaves, the ones in bondage. Why? Because the reason they were in bondage was because they were the Israelite nation. They were God's people. They knew God had his hand on them. I'm convinced your enemy knows more about you than you do. I'm convinced he's more afraid of you than you are of him. You ever said that about an, an, an animal? 
the snake. He's more afraid of you than, I don't care. Get him out of here. He won't hurt you. He's more afraid of you than he than you are of him. So what? Then put him out of his misery and let him go on then. Yeah. They were more afraid. These giants, the ones that they thought they just looked like grasshoppers in the side of, were actually hoping that that day would never come. That the Israelites come charging into this territory to take it back because God's given it to them. In Numbers chapter 14, I want to show you something. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and make your way up here. Numbers chapter 14, verse 1. The whole community broke out into loud cries. The people wept that night. All the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. The whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? Listen to the words that are coming out of their mouths. Man, when you don't live by faith, it takes you down a dangerous path. They're questioning the Lord's character. They're challenging the leadership that God has set over them. They're actually uh, believing that God sent them into this area to kill them off and to have them die by the sword. Do you ever find yourself there? Why would God do this to me? Why would this happen to me? Uh, Why am I going through this? What is God trying to do to me? You're now challenging the very nature and character of God. It's an indication I'm waning in faith. Well, I know that there's people out there that want you to be real and be authentic. We're all going to have questions. And we're, that's fine. You can have the thought, but you better not keep it. You can't keep the thought from coming, but you better not hold on to that thought. You better get the word of God because it could cost you. I said it could cost you. Our wives and children will become plundered. Now their confession changes. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Man, you ever find yourself desiring the bondage of your past over the freedom of your future? They'd rather go back to bondage than pursue I want to show you this in verse 9. Joshua speaks up here in verse 6, 7. We know that Joshua and Caleb were the only two that stood their ground on the faith in their on their faith in the word of God. Nobody else got to enter this land. But this is look at what Joshua says here in verse 9. This is how we're going to shift our thinking for the next few weeks. It says, only don't rebel. Everyone say rebel. Don't rebel against the Lord. 
Now that's interesting. Because securing the promised land was not a suggestion. It shows us that entering the promised land was a command of God. And this goes back to where I started. If you continue to treat faith as optional, new seasons as optional, new transitions as optional, then what you will do is you will rebel against a command thinking it was a suggestion. I don't really have to pursue that. I don't really have to enter that. I don't really have to access that. I don't really have to enter that. And he's saying, no, 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 no. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Faith is not optional for the believer. If obedience is the evidence of your faith, rebellion is the evidence of your doubt. Faith obeys. Faith responds. Faith answers the call. There's many things in our lives You know, when it comes to sinful things, when it comes to adhering to the word of God as far as living a holy life or righteous life, sure, we know this is not an option. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't go there. We don't listen to this. We don't, but, but, but we have treated some of the things that God is bringing us into, some of the things that God is asking you to access, some of the things that God is asking you to take on, some of the things that God, you, you, you have started believing for that God has impressed upon your heart. And I'm here to tell you today, they're not optional. That assignment is on your life and on your life alone. Now, God will fulfill it. He will raise up another generation if you have to die off in the wilderness and keep circling this thing until you spin out of control. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is that you answer the call. You fulfill the assignment. You go in the word of the Lord. You go in the encouragement of the Lord. You go in the spirit of the Lord. Build up your faith. Strengthen yourself so you can believe that what God wants to do, he will do. It's a command not a suggestion. It's a command, not a suggestion. He's not asking you, will you go to these people? Will you start that ministry? Will you do this with your business? Will you go here? Will you attend there? Will you be part of that? Will you submit yourself to this? He's not asking you. He's commanding you. And he's not commanding you because he wants to boss you around. He's commanding you because you are a key Peace of what he's trying to accomplish in the big picture. It's not about you and your feelings. It's not about you and your experience. It's not about you and oh, you got the wrong person. It's not about you. And let me tell you something. Your miracle is not an option. You need to see your miracle come to pass. I said, you need to see your miracle come to pass. I'm done treating God's commands as optional suggestions that I get to pick and choose. Well, you know, that sounds pretty good. I don't know about that one. No, no, no. Not in these last days. 
It's people that are going to answer the call and they're going to say, if he assigned me to it, if he's put that on my heart, if he's opened up these doors, then I'm going through. And I don't have to know as much as everybody else. And I don't have to have all the finances. And I don't have to have all the people around me. God will raise up the people. He'll send the resources. He'll bring the finances. He will bring me to whatever he needs me to bring me to. All I need to do is step into it with faith and obedience. A faith that believes, but a faith that believes so strongly that it does. It does. Would you stand with me? I want you to commit with me. Right now, I know it's a tall ask to ask people, for pastors to ask people to come to church, but I want you to commit with me. I I want you to commit with me that you will be here. Because where we're going in the next couple of weeks, I believe the Lord has laid on my heart that Kingdom Rise Conference is going to pull it out. I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't talk to the ministers and tell them what to minister on and what the theme is. The theme is Kingdom Rise. The, the theme is rising to your kingdom ability and your kingdom potential. But I want you to believe with me that the next few weeks are that important that what's coming in the conference, I need the preparation. I need the deposits. Maybe Kingdom Kingdom Rise Conference could be the withdrawal, not just the deposit. Maybe he could pull something out of you. There's something that's been on your heart. You haven't had clear steps. You haven't had clear direction. You haven't been able to figure out how to get the full totality of this miracle or this healing or this whatever it is. Put your faith with mine. Set yourself in agreement with me that over these next two weeks, God will set the stage. Because I believe every person in this room, you have a promised land out there. Some of you have been treating your promised land as optional. Some of you have been thinking, well, it's okay if... If, if I don't do it, I'll, 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 I'll do my best. No, you need to set your heart. What he's shown you, what he's revealed to you, what he's laid on your heart, you've got to fulfill it. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.